Well, this morning when I, even actually even before I got up, it was still dark, I was still laying down, and a lot of things passing through, sometimes passing through our minds. <clears throat> the one thought that I had that, that God gave me, and as soon as I got up, I, I went right to it. And this is what he was uh, saying to me <clears throat> this morning. I'm just going to read the verse, and it was really just one part of the verse, but what it involved was so much. St. John, the first chapter, in John, the first chapter, and you can even see by the time we get to this verse, you, you would have to read, you go back from this verse, 29, in John 1, verse 29, but to understand the fullness of that, you would want to read back all the way to the first verse of John chapter 1. But the thought that kept coming to my mind this morning was, and that he was telling me when all these other thoughts and things were coming, the one thing he kept telling me is, behold the lamb. So he kept telling me, I want you to behold the lamb. And again, of course, it says here, which takes away and which takes away the sin of the world. And we know that, of course, there, that's not saying sins. That's not dealing with personal sins. That's dealing with the sin question. Every single thing about it. So, but that, but again, and of course, with the fact that he would deal in propitiation to the Father with the sin question, that was something that was just between him and the Father. And again, we've shared these scriptures as God's given them to us. In Genesis 22 and verse 8, when Abraham and Isaac were, went up to the Mount Moriah, and Isaac asked his father, uh, where is the sacrificial lamb? And the answer was, God will provide himself, will provide himself with a lamb. And that's what it's saying here, and this is the equal to understanding that, that in terms of propitiation, God uh, dealing with, with the sin question because before he could even do anything, before he could even offer his son as the lamb for us or for whosoever will, in Revelations 22 and verse 17, whosoever will may come and drink freely of the water of life. Even before that, that anyone that would receive him in terms of being a substitute paying for their sins, the father first and foremost had to be propitiated deal with the sin question. And that's what this is teaching. It's not sins here, it's sin. Although that did, did come when the father was propitiated, then he was able to offer the son. Because remember, the son first and foremost on, on the cross, he offered himself to the father first. And we know that because that's based upon he would come to fulfill the will of the Father and to finish the work in John 4 and verse 34. and John 8, verse 29, he always did those things that pleased him, his Father. And so we know that everywhere he went, it was his Father leading him, guiding him, and with him the whole time uh, that he walked the face of the earth and just bringing back, in that sense, God back to the earth when the first Adam had forsaken him, the second Adam, Christ, came. And we see that 
and some, some of the depth of its teaching in 1 Corinthians 15, 45 to 49. But again, the word kept coming to me, behold the Lamb of God. And this has involved so much. Uh, but that's what we, that is our proper sight. And again, as Jody I'll share this morning, where it says in Colossians 3 and verse 1, set your mind. It's mind there for now. It's your mind, not your affections, not your feelings, your emotions. See, we don't set our emotions on things above because those go up and down. We set our mind on things above, meaning we give ourselves our will. We give our mind, our emotions, of course, our will, our conscience, and our self-consciousness. We give it over to the fact that Christ is is our life, and he's, posi- he's positioned us far above everything. And that's why we were teaching just recently the other day, too, even, even our good emotions, never mind the bad emotions, are not the indicator that God is for us, because whether we feel it or not, whether the emotions are correct or not, the truth is God is for us, because that's why he can say, Behold the Lamb of God who took away the whole sin question. He dealt with it. And so that's our place. Set your mind on things above. Why? Because the Lamb is is seated there at the right hand of the Father. We see that in Revelation, the first chapter, and scores of others, uh, starting in Psalm 110, verse 1. He's seated at the right hand of the Father above everything. And us in him, we, we are according to the very mind of God, above everything. And at times, our emotions will agree with it and they'll be good. Other times, they might not be what they should be because we don't have that full thought, the mind of Christ. The Lamb, who did take away, not only did he deal with the whole sin question, but obviously, boy, did he, he paid for our sins. He crucified the old. And so that's why here, and when we see this, and this was mentioned also by a, a certain individual. His name was Juddy Al Martinez. That's his initials. And when he said, we're all going to be singing, when we heard another portion of a choir coming from, from up somewhere, we heard that. But here, this is what it says in Revelations, the fifth chapter. And we know that in, in Revelations chapters 4 and 5, when we understand those chapters, it starts with 4 verse 1, and the Spirit is saying to John, the apostle on the Isle of Patmos, he's saying, come up here, which is our view. Our view is up. Come up here and I'll show you what things which must come to pass. But before he shows them on the earth, and that's what he's showing, he will show and he does show believers whose position is in the heavens in Christ above the earth, what in Revelation 6 to 18 is taking place is judgment. But there isn't any for us. We're not on the earth at that particular time. We're in him. And where are we now? We're on this earth, but where are we positioned? And what is our view to be? And does it have anything to do with good emotions or bad emotions? No. Good emotions may be may be the effect of it, and they are, but they're not the indicator that God's for me. Of course, certainly not the bad ones. Now, so in Revelations, the fifth chapter, in, in Revelations, again, four and five, he's, t- he's allowing 
the apostle, and he's in, he's in some pretty tough circumstances. He's on the Isle of Patmos. The Isle of Patmos was just off the coast, was just off the coast, it was an island, where the most criminally murderous and insane people were put. The worst of the worst. And this is where the emperor had the apostle John put there. And that's when God opened up. And that's what he does a lot of times. He has to allow us to be brought down low so he can reveal the height of what he has for us, who he is in us. And so that's when he gave the, the beloved apostle, remember the one in John 13, 23, he'd lay his head on Jesus' breast, of course, and, and we know that every heartbeat he heard was, I love you and you're more than a conqueror in me. That was, that was what he heard. But now he's on this insane asylum, he's on this island, and that's when God opens up. And you know, he not only did it for him, but boy, did we get all of this. And, and he's showing him the results of what Christ has accomplished. So by the time we get to, to four and five, he's translated him now. Now he's translated him to see what is happening in heaven and what will happen in the future. He was given it to him then. And because it's based upon what he had then. You see, God has given us and he allows us to go down because if we're not going down, we're not going forward. We've said before in Revelation, in Romans 1 and verse 17, it says they go from faith to faith. Okay? From faith, mountaintop experience, to is the valley. But two mountaintop experiences, okay, there's a valley. Well, what is enclosed, that place where we are, that little two and that little two is the transition where we're brought low so that we can be brought up again. And this, all this is speaking of here in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18 is the fact that we are growing in grace and knowledge. We're growing. So just because we're in a tight, squeezed place, and we mentioned this the other day, and, and I'll just bring this out, and hopefully we'll get back to what I believe that God had for us. But... And, and we can learn a lot from the types. So in 1 Samuel, the 22nd chapter, and this is bringing out so many truths to us, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 22, we see here David, David here, he is, he is on his, he's running for his life because Saul, Saul is after him to kill him through envy, through jealousy, through nothing at all that David ever did to him. Not, not a single thing. It's just that God had given him promises to replace Saul <laughs> because of Saul's disobedience. And, and again, Saul was definitely born again. He, he, he was saved. And uh, he was. But here David is on the, on the run for his life from him. He's on, he's on a run, running, <laughs> And it says in 1 Samuel uh, 22, verse 1, it says, David therefore departed there, and he escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. Isn't that interesting? Now, verse 2 says, And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, 
And this is not just monetarily, but this is spiritually also, obviously first and foremost. We tend to make more of the financial end to be the, the predominant thing at times in our, in our thinking, which brings our emotions into a bad place when the reality is spiritually, are we poor? No, we're rich. We're rich in Colossians 2 and verse 3 uh, because all the riches of God are, are in Christ and Christ is in us. We know in, in Ephesians 1, 1 through uh, 23, he's in us and all through those Ephesians. The book of Ephesians brings out the fact that but those are the times. But anyways, back to Psalm uh, uh, 22. What a beautiful psalm this is. Think of every single thing that he went through. And I'm just giving a little taste as we begin to wrap this up this morning. Uh, the depth of God's love and what he's given us in Christ and what it took for God because God literally... When we see things like in Psalm 22 and verse 1, when Christ on the cross cried out, in terms of his humanity, first time, because deity could never be separated, but in terms of his humanity, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you, what, forsaken me? He fulfilled that in Matthew 27 and verse 46. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And of course, we know the answer why. Did you know and did I know, and maybe for the first time in a way I never experienced it or thought about it, that in the sense, think of the horror that Christ went through with his father forsaking him. But yet, think of the horror of the father <laughs> giving his son over to that. But it was necessary and the necessity had to do with the essence of God's nature, love. And for love to be experienced, then justice, which could never be separated from that love, had to be fulfilled. That's what made it so essential. Because <laughs> it had to do, and we'll get into these certain uh, truths in these certain psalms. But this psalm here in Psalm 22, and we're going to get into it uh, tomorrow and Friday and maybe even other days. This is going into, and you'll have to, you'll see this in the fulfillment in the book of Leviticus, in the types. It's talking about, this is the sin offering. This is the sin offering. And what had to happen as a result of that? It's the sin offering. Now remember, first in John 1, 29, Jesus was the lamb that took away the sin of the world, meaning he dealt with the sin question, and that was propitiation between the Father and the Son. Father satisfied with the, with the Son, dealing with the whole sin question? Not that any angels ever get born again, but even the fa and they don't, just, but just us, who were created in his image. God was buying back, in a right way through Christ, our proper image, and the only way he, that he really sees us, <laughs> which is phenomenal. And uh, again, and dealing with all of these things in the most beautiful way, and only the way that he could, he was dealing in, in this psalm with, it's called the sin offering. And, and we know the reason why the answer was given to him. The answer was given to him. The answer was given to Jesus Christ. 
that he cried out here in this 22nd Psalm. The answer was given. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, because if the father hadn't forsaken him, if the father even himself hadn't felt such horror and and, and as the son like no other human being has ever felt, then who would he have had to forsake? All of us. That's why he never forsakes us. That's why we're so rich in him. That's why we have, literally, we have it so made. Thank God we're not suffering like certain ones in Ukraine, in North Korea, China, Africa. You want to talk about doing without, but yet never forsaken, never forsaken by their Lord and Savior. Never, never. But they, but he had to for, had to forsake them because he became the sin offering. He became he became the sin offering. That's what he became, the sin offering. Now and then we'll get into it at another time. We're gonna we'll we'll see in Psalm sixty nine. That's the trespass offering psalm. This is the sin offering psalm. This is going into propitiation. The sin offering. Because the sin offering had to do with God's nature. Trespass offering had to do with God's government. And we'll get into these things, but what we see here, again, is so amazing here about what he has gone through and what he did go through for us. The depths that he went to. The depths that he went to. To bring us up. And I, I loved the word, and these were, there's so much teaching in the word of God this morning as we begin to close this, this brief time and hopefully get into it in detail throughout the week, which is what I deeply desire to do in detail. But do you remember when Jacob, again, Jacob, again, he was another one on the run for his life because of what he did to his brother Esau. You know that you know that story. What he did to it, what what Jacob did to his dad Isaac in place of Esau. You see, Jacob thought he had to do he had to do what God promised him that God Himself would do. That just wasn't his timing. So he he had to, he thought he had to do it on his own. And he and of course he did, and then Esau was hot on his trail. And that's when he was, in Genesis, the 28th chapter, when he was there, when he was there. And this all goes into the Lamb. See, it's so amazing how God ties these scriptures, God the Holy Spirit, like only he can. He took a stone, and he's, I don't know what kind of stone it was. Hopefully, you know, I don't know. (laughs) My pillow's not a stone, but he was laying on it. And he... He slept on that, and then he got a vision. He had a vision in Job in Genesis 28, verse 12. He saw a ladder from the earth reaching up to the heavens, and the angels of God were descending and ascending on it. And again, that is another type in what God's teaching, and this is how he taught it, and this is where we will see this. You see, God had to send 
the lamb down. <laughs> he had to, because there was no way, there was no substitute, no sacrifice, other than the best that God could give, which would be his son, that he had to send down to go down to this distance in this dark earth because there was no one here that could go up. Now you'll see that when you read Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter. You can start like around in verse 10 and go to the end of the chapter and we'll see how those thoughts, God will use those, the Holy Spirit will use those to correlate the truth about what we have in Christ. But then... Remember, that's, that's Genesis 28 and verse 12, right? But this is when we see, remember we said in John 1, 29, right? The next day John saw Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God. See, I love the original. I love the original Koine Greek. The tense, the mood, the case, and the voice. Because he is yelling this in awe. At the top of his lungs. We can read this and like, no, oh, and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. You know, no. He said, behold, the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God. That what? He's the one that will bear the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man which is preferred before me. <laughs> for he was. And that for he was before me, it's John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I knew him not, not like that, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. Verse 32, and John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him. He's referring to Matthew 3, 16 and 17. It abode upon him. And, and he said this, I knew him not, and I knew him not, but that he sent me to baptize with water. I just knew him this far to baptize with water. The same said unto me, upon whom you will see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I saw and bear, bore record that this is the Son of God in humanity. That's what he's saying. This is John 1.14 too, by the way. It correlates perfectly. Again, the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said again, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. And then Jesus turned and saw them following and said unto him, What do you seek? They said unto him, Teacher, Master, Rabbi, being interpreted, Master, where do you dwell? Where, where do you abide? Follow it all the way down through there. Watch it all the way down through, even when Nathaniel comes. And of course, Nathaniel, the Pharisee, came to him at night. He was a little too embarrassed with his buddies in the daytime, so he came at night. How about Romans 1.16? I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, meaning we have an opportunity to present those 
in our circle with the gospel. Present it to them. Yes, praying for them for years, but how about presenting it to them now? Because how about now is the time. Now is the day of salvation for them. In, in uh, 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2, and that's uh, based upon Isaiah 49 and verse 8. It's the day of salvation for them because Christ is in us and we're his ambassadors in 2 Corinthians 5.20 and we're to beseech them through Christ in us and us with him. Don't you want to be reconciled to him? That lamb that was slaughtered and slain for you and that rose again. Well, you follow it all the way through and Nathaniel goes to him at night and He's teaching him things that he should have known through all those types that were in the Old Covenant. He's teaching them. See, those all things were speaking of me. And you should have known better. You should have known better. Nathanael finally in 49 answered and said unto him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto you, I saw you under the fig tree and the ability to know where you were without natural sight. <laughs> Does God have the ability to know where we are? To know what we need? To know when we need it? And how we'll even use with what we think we need? And will it be for His glory? Or will it be for something of the flesh? And God makes us wait for that desire to be fulfilled so that what He gives us in Proverbs 13 and verse 12 is not just for ourselves but it becomes a tree of life for others. Of course, when we know Christ is that tree of life that was in the garden. He said, because, because I saw you under the fig tree, you believe, you will see greater things than these. F- 51. This is fulfilling Genesis 28 and verse 12. He said unto him, truly, truly, I say unto you, hereafter, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. <laughs> the only way, the only one that could bridge that gap from earth to heaven is that ladder had to come down from heaven on the earth. And that's a picture of Christ. He's gone down so low for us. He's gone down so low that even those, and you will see it, and you will see it in that 22nd Psalm, we'll see it throughout the week, and in Matthew 27, when all those soldiers were mocking him, crucifying him, thinking that they would get rid of him. He, he was doing there that what was even against them in their anger, in their wrath and hatred towards him, it was his love even for them. That his love, the lamb, would go lower than any other human being could. He went that low. And for any of us, for anyone that's not born again, for anyone, doesn't matter who they are, what they've done, Christ went so low, he went low enough to pay for what they did. And then he he will bring that one to bring them up into the very presence of God. This is what that Psalm 22 is so incredibly. It's, it's probably one of the most wonderful psalms 
I think, in all the Bible. In all the Bible, when we bring those things out. Uh, when the Holy Spirit, I should say, brings those things out to all of us. We have so much to be thankful for. We do. We have so much to be thankful for. And if our view is heavenly, and we do behold the Lamb of God, do we have so much to be thankful of? Again, I, I just think, and I think again of this one, one thing. I forgot the source that I got it from. But th- this was a woman it was either North Korea or China. She was elderly, an older lady. And she was in, in, in prison in a dungeon because of her faith in Christ. Because she literally, because of her faith in Christ. And these soldiers had her tied to a chair and were beating her. All because someone smuggled in a piece of this Bible. And she, and what they would do is they would read it, memorize it, and, and swallow it before it could be found. And she didn't get rid of it in time. And they were beating her. And she was tied to a chair. <laughs> what we have, what we have here for now in this country, in this place where we are, we have so much to be thankful for. And we will. As long as I have you, as long as we behold the Lamb, and we behold Him, we behold Him. Lord, thank you this morning that you're with us. You were forsaken so that we would never be forsaken. You were forsaken because you were that propitiatory Lamb, that Helisterion and that Helisterios. You were. The place and the sacrifice, the sacrifice and the place to propitiate the Father so that he could give you, you would give yourself, Lord, to the Father so that he, in propitiation through what he's fulfilled in and through you, he could give him, you, Lord, to us as our substitute. Now that he's our everything, what will we substitute in place of him? And where is the value? Our value is not in the things that we have, not in the material things. Our value is is the riches that we have with Christ in us as our vessel, in our vessel in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. And Father, I pray for me and specifically for all others that we would look away and not make the vessel the importance, but make the treasure that's in the vessel. Christ, who will never leave us nor forsake us. Because at what cost and horror, horror, even prior to the cross that he went through. Not only is the burnt offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, and these different offerings, but everything that you did to your Father and for us, we have so much to be thankful for, Lord. Help us to set our mind on things above where Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. Because in him we died. You know, all those, all that discouragement, all that fear, all that worry, that died with him. All of it. He fulfilled, he's the fulfillment for it all. He's done away with that. 
And Father, we have so much to be thankful for. In this country here, we're going to celebrate Independence Day, where we became liberated from England in our country. We have a liberation, a freedom that's far above that, that we could even imagine. For us, it's not the Statue of Liberty. No, it's the cross. That is the true sign, the true fact, the true manifestation, the true symbol of our freedom. And thank you, Lord, that on that cross, you did everything that was necessary in the essential nature of God who was love with his justice and fulfilled it and then did everything for us, every single thing for us, Lord. I just pray you make these things a deep and indelible reality, Father, and write it on our, not tables of stone like you did with those Ten Commandments, those ten Hebrew words in Exodus 23 and 17, but you're going to write a fulfillment on us, Christ, who was far above the law. Yes, he fulfilled it, but far above it. And indelibly write Christ on our hearts as a written epistle so that all men can know and read of him in our lives in 2 Corinthians 3, 2, 3, and 4, because 5, our sufficiency is not of ourselves. Our sufficiency is of God, not of the letter, because that kills, and it kills, but of the Spirit, because the Spirit is the one who brings in the reality that Christ is our life. He's our everything. In Jesus' name, amen.